to another week, another day here at Nerdwatch HQ. It is the Nerdwatch Podcast. I, of course, am G-Money. I am joined by the one, the only, the professor of movies, the professor of film critique, the one, the only, Professor Barry. How you doing, Professor Barry? Doing good. Good, good. Well, we are uh, we are a minus two folk uh, this week. We are minus format. Format is... Um, not feeling too well. He's under the weather this week. I'm assuming he caught what his family had from last week, so he's not doing too great. Uh, and then Amber is crunching numbers because it's tax time. That's right. Yeah, so uh, me, I, uh, I I get that crap out of the way early. Smart man. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just I claim nothing. I let them take everything during the year, and they just give me everything back. Wow, so, stop us America. Yeah, that's what I do. I say screw it. I don't want to... The government, and you know, everybody. You know what's so funny is that it, you know, for everybody that doesn't like conservatives or and or Republicans, everybody all of a sudden becomes quite the conservative around tax time. It's so funny, you know. It's like, man, why am I dishing out so much money to the government? That's right. Why are you dishing money out to the government? There should be enough for the military. There should be enough to uh, pay for roadways and highways and. Uh, not elaborate golden toilet seats, as it and were. And Air Force One jet fuel, of uh, course. Uh, right, of course. Boy, that carbon footprint. Sheesh, talk about climate change. Anyway, uh, Professor Barry, that's another podcast altogether. I could go on and on about politics and how I feel about uh, the slate of new uh, presidential candidates for the 2016 presidential season. Uh, I can tell you how much I uh, uh, am very excited to see... What becomes of it? Um, uh, I can tell you who I already don't like, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, she's a woman, and yeah, we'll just yeah, not my not my cup of not my cup of tea. But like I said, nobody knows who you're talking about. I'm Very thinly veiled, veiled right there. Totally yeah. thinly yeah. veiled. Complete mystery. Oh man, who who knew? I just you know it's crazy. But uh, yeah, not a not a fan. So, but I am a fan of politics, and I love. I love the game of politics. So, hey, you know, it's presidential season. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. We've, I'm going to have a whole new pod for that sometime soon here, which will be really fun. But anyway, we're in here for entertainment, for what we consider and what we love oh so very much. We are the Nerd Watch. And uh, I tell you what, we are fresh off the heels of our fat and nerdiest podcast from last week about our reviews of Furious 7. Uh, uh, the reviews have come in and people are really enjoying the film. Uh, the more I look back on it, the more absurd the movie is but it's still quite the fun ride so you know like i said he's fashioned himself james wan has fashioned himself a superhero movie to the max so good for him um but we're on to a new week we are three no two short weeks away from the premiere of avengers age of ultron Two short weeks. We're going to be seeing that premiere. We're probably going to be writing about it, talking about it on the Nerd Watch here shortly. But before we talk about the Avengers, we talk about movies that, uh, you know, have come out before that. We got Furious 7, so I'm assuming the follow-up for the Friday after that is going to be phenomenal. Right, Professor Barry? Absolutely. All right. So uh, after Furious 7... What happened the next Friday, and what was released? 
Oh, little accident in the studio. Don't worry about it. Little art project. Little art project. It's it's not it's not good. Don't worry about it. We're all fine. We're all fine. Well, as you know, this is that deadly, deadly season, unfortunately, where the studio is basically taking out the trash in between the major, major season coming up. This summer season could very well be the biggest ever because it's just a wall-to-wall of event films. But unfortunately, right now, we're in the season of Unfriended, Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, and the film I had the opportunity to catch this past Friday. Fortunate? Mm. Fortunate, fortunate to catch. Uh, yeah, maybe fortunate is not the word. Oh, it's not the word. Okay, it was part uh, part of the job, and okay. not a not the most misfortune because the film itself that I'm going to talk about, the new Nicholas Sparks film, oh, uh, the longest lovely. ride. Not a bad film. Uh, let me just jump right to it. It's not a bad movie, but it's clearly an April film. The way you know it would either be a January movie or a September film. It's in that category of like. It's not a bad movie, but I can see why it's being released in April, in between Furious 7 and The Avengers. Hmm. Interesting. So The Longest Ride is what you're speaking of, I'm assuming. The Longest, Longest Ride. All right. Well, I have seen the previews for this. I am always suspect of Nicholas Sparks films. As a matter of fact, I don't very much care for Nicholas Sparks films. Um, Never had... Knights in Rodanthe was just awful. Not a big fan. I I love Diane Lane. Don't like that movie. Not a good movie. Um, Message in a Bottle, another Nicholas Sparks. Ugh. Manages to waste Paul Newman, mm-hmm. Kevin Costner, and Robin Wright. And Robin Wright. Yeah. Waste all Wasted. three of them. Yes. Um, and then, of course, the most famous of his is The Notebook. Not a fan. Not a fan. I hate that movie with a passion. I think I, I kind of liked it the first time I saw it just because I really loved the feeling um, that James Garner brought to his performance. Garner, I, okay. Garner's wonderful. And, and that, but I'm not defending this movie. And Gina Rollins is as well. Gina Rollins is wonderful, too. But this movie is presenting this, this fantasy idea that you, know, you can have uh, you know, Alzheimer's, but somehow... In the midst of it, you're still in there, and you're going to just kind of leap out of it and go, oh, my God, I remember you. I love you. And then it goes away. But then it could come back because love is stronger than Alzheimer's. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Love is not stronger than <laughs> Alzheimer's. What a what a terrible fantasy this movie is presenting. I, 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 that was the part that I actually kind of warmed up to. Yeah. I could deal with that because love conquers all, obviously. Sure. Yeah. The part that I couldn't stand, which I think you already know what I couldn't stand, I, I hate the fact that women swoon over the notebook, and yet this woman is a god-awful cheater. That is that is my biggest pet peeve about this movie. Rachel McAdams moves on with her life, finds a wonderful new beau that was willing to take her on and to marry her and everything Played by James else. Marsden. Plays by James Marsden. Yep. And once again, the good guy gets screwed. Well, he doesn't. Her old boyfriend does, and he gets the shaft. Well, I won't even. And what does he do, folks? He builds her a house. He builds her a house. He grows a beard, becomes all mopey, lives in this house that he's building. And then there's the scene on the radio. He's like, I built this house for you. He's like, you never wrote me. I wrote you every day. And, of course, there's the the stereotypical rich mother played by Joan Allen who has stacks of these stupid letters. Like, why do they keep these letters? Right, right. She tells me they have the stacks of letters that go unread. 
stupid, cliched, stereotypical. And why would they? Why would she keep it? What, 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 what's the point? If she didn't want her to read it, exactly. Let's just burn it or throw it out with the garbage. Tell that Ryan Gosling never wrote her. He's a loser. You're gonna love James Marsden. No, she finds the letters. She reads them. And, oh, it's it's, it's god awful. Awful. I think awful. The, I think the only one. There is only one Nicholas Sparks movie that I can bear, and it's the one with Mandy Moore. Oh, a walk to remember. A walk to remember. I think I can bear that one, but everything else can go straight to hell. <laughs> I think the, it's funny you mentioned that one. That one's—it's not bad though. The other one that I, you know, I would tolerate. Okay. Uh, tolerate would be the last song with Miley Cyrus and Greg. I Kinnear. would. I would say Kinnear that too. Yes. Kinnear is very good. Kinnear in that. is great in that yeah. movie. He he carries that film yes, for as, as weak as Miley Cyrus is in the role. Uh, I would look forward to watching it. Be, um, because Miley Cyrus is in it, I was high on Hannah Montana at the time. Don't ask. Um, uh, but I went to watch that movie re- thinking that I could um, re- really enjoy it. And boy, was I wrong. Um, the only thing that really touched me was Greg Kinnear, yeah. basically. So yeah, it's that one is tolerable. But I guess in a movie, you don't want a movie that you can tolerate. No, and that's that's one of the worst forms of faint praise. When Whenever a critic, and I, I try to make... I try to never use this word, but whenever you describe a movie as watchable, yes, that's horrible. Yeah, that no, no, that's like saying that song is listenable. Like my ears mm. work and I can receive that song. That's not yeah. high praise. That's like, yeah, um, you know that movie, the last song with Miley Cyrus. Yeah, I'd watch it. It's watchable. It's tolerable. <laughs> yeah, movie shouldn't be about well, tolerating. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's. No, sure, I'd rather awful. you know. I'd, no, listen, if I had a choice between that and the root canal, I'd probably take. The root canal, but hey, you know, you should take a look at it. Tell or me if what I was think. doing a root canal in the office and they had a little TV screen mm-hmm. and I could watch that, that movie while doing the root canal, that'd probably that probably right. kill me. You wouldn't need drugs. You could that could numb your pain. Yes, that's how that's how god awful that some of it is. But but let's move back. Let's rewind. Nicholas Sparks. We went on this whole thing. By the way, I think I'm calling this episode the Nerd Book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd rather watch the nerd book. Than I think I would as well. Let's get to the longest ride, okay? Um, we don't have to spend too much time because doggone it, this is the nerd watch. We don't like all. Why this are we talking about Nick and Sparks? Stuff. Yes, but um, is this something that a nerd would take their female companion to? Is this a movie for the female nerd set? Sure. And this is going to sound like faint praise because it is. Okay. But here's the thing. This is the best Nicholas Sparks movie I've seen. What and the I, heck? And I swear I've seen them all and I'm humiliated and embarrassed and castrated to admit that. But I've seen them all and this is the best one. You're it's lucky because you can say you're doing your job. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's better than Safe Haven. Wow. So much better than Safe Haven. It's better than Notebook. Oh, Safe Haven. What a Horrible with the with the great oh twist ending at the end. Oh, the stupid out, twist ending at the end. The, the chick was a ghost the whole time. Oh my so bad. Gosh. So horrid. Awful. Terrible. Horrid. And the thing is, like, I, I I don't want to be like a like a total jerk about this. I mean, Nicholas Sparks. I'm sure he's a talented writer. I try to I I try to read Message in a Bottle when I was in college and I couldn't finish it. Ick. It was just really just a lot of purple prose. But his movies just they. They kind of swim in cliches and they're incredibly predictable. And you know it's a Nicholas Sparks movie if 
the love story is really building, and then somebody dies, somebody coughs, and it turns out they have cancer or throat cancer. Or, like he kills his. Or someone's off. caught in a flood, and exactly. they can't get out of their vehicle. Exactly. <laughs> right after they propose, right after like it's going to be great, and then somebody that he kills his characters like like a love struck Stephen King. The guy is morbid. Uh, yes, and sadistic when it yes. comes to, to manipulating audiences. And I just that's my problem with his movies. What I liked about this movie, The Longest Ride, is it mostly avoids those cliches. Yes, somebody does die, but it's of natural causes, which is kind of a nice... What? I know. He's, he's really moving out of the box in this wow. one. Wow. Um, without really getting too much into the story, because the story is cheese and predictable, but it actually goes in a really interesting direction. Scott Eastwood, the son of Clint Eastwood, mm. plays a rodeo star. He basically captures... he. He, he, What's his character's name, by the way? I don't remember. No, I don't remember boy, any of the character's amazing. names. Yeah, uh, and his character is thin. He has a lot of charisma and a lot of presence. That's really what he brings to the role. The role doesn't offer him anything. His co-star is Britt Robertson, who we all know. Well, we're going to know her because she's the star of Tomorrowland. Yes, she's uh, she's going to be a very very big name name actress. I suspect in a few months, she is the star of this film. She plays a girl who goes to the rodeo, watches uh, watches Scott Eastwood. They fall completely head over heels, making eye contact. So they begin this really improbable romance. She is uh, kind of she's book smart. He's a cowboy. Will the two worlds ever meet? Meanwhile, in a subplot that that shoehorns itself into the movie, Alan Alda is this geriatric gets into a car wreck. Um, let's see, Scott Eastwood and Britt Robertson take him to the hospital. They learn he's got a stack of letters, of course, because in these movies, the letters are either unread or there's stacks of them. Well, mm-hmm. Alan Alda has a stack of letters uh, from his wife, and we see the flashback of how Alan Alda and his wife met. And here's the interesting thing. The flashback sequences are good. The young Alan Alda is played by Jack Houston, the grandson of John Houston, one of wow. our greatest film directors. And get this, playing his wife in the flashbacks, Una Chaplin, the great granddaughter of wow, Charles Chaplin. That's crazy. So there's some Hollywood royalty in this movie. That's crazy. And the flashbacks are very good, very well acted. Right, right, right. And I'm not going to hint at what it is because it's it's not like the most novel thing. But I got to say, there is a twist at the end of the movie that does not involve death or uh, anything you've seen before in a Nicholas Sparks movie. It's a real surprise, and it actually ends the movie in a really satisfying note. So, that said, this movie is predictable. Mm-hmm. It's cheesy, it's mm-hmm. soapy, and it lives up to its title. It's over two hours long. It's too long. But if, if as you've in- indicated before, if you're looking for a date movie, if you're looking for a good love story, a movie that's inoffensive and just sexy and enjoyable enough, mm-hmm. The Longest Ride is the best Where Nicholas does it Sparks take place? movie. Where does the where does the movie take place? I Is it think Texas? I think. Question. It's kind of a generic Nicholas Sparks world where everything mm. is just kind of shimmery and glowy. And Alan Alda was sho- shoehorned into this, correct? It feels like it. He's uh, the last person I would ever cast in a Nicholas Sparks. Well, movie. that's well. I'm assuming just based on the fact that I'm guessing he plays a Jewish guy. Um, I'm trying to remember the. I don't remember the character's last name. I so think I his name is Ira. Yes. I think his first name is Ira. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. There are Jews in Texas? I don't know. I guess. I've been to Austin. I'm just kind of curious. I've been to Houston. I'm sure there's Jews in Texas. I'm sure there are. There's Jews and Gentiles alike in Texas. I'm sure. But I'm just saying, this is kind of an interesting 
interesting angle. And it's an angle of the movie obviously soft pedals. This movie is not about anything uh, socially significant. It's not about ethnicity. So it's, it's not about, about young. It's not about young Jewish love. It's about love triumph overing all. I mean, interesting. Every, it's, it's the universal cheese factor here. We're not talking about a movie that's really you know in depth about you know about all right, all anybody's right. culture or background. I, I, I'm just. I, I, I'm just. Listen, I'm just trying to state the obvious here that we have a Jewish love story covered up by cowboys in Texas. It's, that's what because that's what it's really about. This is not Yentl. This isn't a okay. movie where you go, man. <laughs> this movie's really in touch. Like I feel like I learned so much about Jewish culture. No, this is not. That Una movie. Chaplin, come on. You know her father, the great, great, great Charlie Chaplin. Yes, and she's good. And the thing is, she's really good in. So is Jack Houston. Like it was cool to see all this. Her royalty. grandfather. Excuse yes. me. Did I say her father? Sorry, grandfather. Yes. Yeah, her grandfather. And then of course Scott Eastwood, who is very good, looks like the young Clint Eastwood, gives a very engaging performance, and Britt Robertson, who is very appealing in this movie. I could see like if this was the movie that if she got cast in Tomorrowland because of this movie or after Tomorrowland or because I could see the correlation because she brings again she and everybody they bring so much to this movie that was not in the screenplay. So here's my thing. Where have I seen Britt before? Because uh, I don't... I, I've seen her in things before and I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed. What else has she been in? What I is can't her, remember. I mean, because she is... She almost looks like... Um, she kind of looks like uh, the Panabaker sisters. Danielle Panabaker, yeah, yeah, very good. Panabaker. Yeah, they, yeah. They, don't they look alike? Yeah, there's a similarity. Yeah, yeah there, there is. So they look alike. Oh, she's in Dan in real life. Oh, Yes. Who is she in that? She plays, like I think she plays or? the daughter of okay. Steve Carell. That's another one I've seen a while ago. I don't remember it that well. Yeah, it's someone with really her and uh, it's someone with uh, Steve Carell and Juliette Binoche. And Dane Cook. And Dane Cook. And when he had a film career? Dane Cook. Who's that? <laughs> he used to be a comic, right? Or yes, something? Yes. Wow. He had that, uh, um, that awful movie, Good Luck Chuck. The one thing he did that I liked, do you remember him in Mr. Brooks? I thought he was really good in that. Oh, that was good. I'll give you that. Yeah. I, I will give you that much. All right, so... The longest ride. Longest is this a ride? ride? Is this a ride that every male should take with their female companion? You know, if it was the one Nicholas Sparks movie I ever saw, I'd be like, oh, that's not so bad. I'd see another Nicholas Sparks movie. But having having suffered through too many of these movies, I'd say, you know what? Um, it's a ride that if I had to take again, I would. But uh, I can think of much, much better love stories that are considerably shorter. All right. So what are you giving it? Scale of 1 to 10. Um, one to five. It's one, one to five. five. All right, one to five. God. Uh, oh shoot. Just say it. All just, right, two point two point five. I'll I, give it two and a half. I thought two you were going to say one and a half. Wow. Oh no 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 no. It 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 is a good movie. It's good for what it is. It's above average for what it is. But I I can't be in love with a movie that is so one note in terms of its character right. and its story. Can I ask you this? Yes. Let me let me make a quick argument before we move on. I okay. want to make an argument. All right. Could Nicholas Sparks be the cure for Fifty Shades of Grey? I think he's part of that problem. He's part of the problem. He's part of the problem because this is kind of where we're at. Um, it occurred to me the other day that young fiction – I hadn't even thought about this. Like the stuff that I used to read growing up was like The Outsiders and The Chocolate War. Mm. Stuff uh, you know, be up behind the attic door. Like stuff that was really like edgy and adult and really made me think about what it means to be a young person. 
Um, we're at a point now where young adult, uh, either as a movie genre or a literary genre, is about magical fantasy lands in which right. young teens are the only hope to save this fantastical yes, world. Yes, you're so right about that. Yes, I'm sick to death oh, of these movies. Gosh. Or or the right. these love stories that are either sadomasochistic or completely ridiculous. Or the sultry. ones where the adults aren't acting teenager enough. Right. Oh, I hate that crap. Yes, yeah. I hate it. We, like, I miss the likes of Robert Cormier and S.E. Hinton and like these guys who really brought a lot of teeth and guts to these movies. Like you know, as much as I enjoyed the Maze Runner, I do. I would like to see Lord of the Flies as a movie again. Something that actually has some teeth to it. Something that's actually like really complex and it doesn't involve kids who look like they're off of a McDonald's commercial, uh, you know, with with their perfectly coiffed hair and their old navy outfits. But like, actually, a movie that's actually about the pain and complexities of being a young person, as opposed to being a young person that looks like they're off the assembly line. I think the last Lord of the Flies that we got with Baltazar Giddy, I believe, right. wasn't that great. I do yeah. like the original though. Nineteen thirty-three, I think. Yeah, it's, it's it's old, but that's it's still, a great one. It's still, better. it's 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 um it's amazingly um, um impactful. I love that movie. I haven't seen it in ages, but I but it stayed with me. I remember it so uh, very much. So, so um, what we're saying is is that these are, are these are this is fiction for young adults, regardless if it's Nicholas Sparks or what what's her name. J- J- the <sighs> author of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I should know because I read that book and I can't. It's slipping my mind. I can't. I can't. Again, homework assignment oh, because I, you gosh. know, I had a, I didn't want to be the guy to review the movie and go like, well, I haven't read the book, but here's what I thought. I actually oh. read the book and then I saw the film, and I, I wasted my time double. E. L. James. E. L. James. Oh, that's e. L. It. James. It's quite awful. Okay, so, so. Nicholas Sparks, E.L. James, they are the problem. Part of, major part of so, the problem. So what do, we, what do we do? How do we counteract these issues? How do we, how do, what, what, what stories should be told? I hope we go back to stories that are actually very honest about what's going on. I'm not saying that you know, issues like suicide and self-mutilation and things like that need to be part of the stories necessarily. But this is, but those are real issues. Sure, I'm not interested in in the juvenile aspects of high school turn into a fantasy world. Because mm. I mean, if you look at Insurgent or Divergent or Detergent or whatever the next movie's called, <laughs> it's all it's it's using sci-fi as a metaphor for the high school experience. Right. Kate Winslet in these movies is basically playing the principal. High school is this world you have to escape from. It's you know, it's like it's like you know they're trying to escape from this dystopic world, but really it's high school. They have to go through these different tests, these gauntlets of things. It's like going through you know quizzes and pop quizzes and tests, and it's about falling in love with the people you're around. And you know, it's like it, these movies are basically just just obvious metaphors for the high school experience, and it's tired. We've seen too many of these. I think you know we've always had the escaping from high school, I guess, stories. You know. I, the the one that I that comes to my mind the most is probably Greece, but it was never about them not showing up. It was always about you know. It, I guess in the age of the internet, I guess things have changed. You know, I mean, even the ones, even the, even the kids in those in those in that era have become adults. But it seems like now the kids you're just you're they're being told by movies and such that just to stay kids forever. Doesn't I don't know. I, I don't think that's good. And it's telling parents and 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 adults to be more like kids. I think that that's I think it's a horrific 
message, you know. So, and I think that's worse than that's that's. I think that's a lot worse than some of the stuff that's out there. I think that's a horrible, horrible message. It's never about moving on. It's always about standing still and what's the now. Mm. Never looking forward. So that's a, that's a, that's pretty rough. That's an interesting point because on the one hand, I do want high schoolers to you know, especially if they enjoyed their high school experience. Most people just kind of survive it. I enjoyed my high school experience. Oh, I did too. If you you know, if if you're aware of your high school experience and you have actually a minute to actually like treasure your friends and have good memories and enjoy it, I want you to enjoy that that time in your life. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. There's this weird thing in pop culture where it's like we have to remain – you know, like it's in a lot of these pop songs where we're going to be young forever. Right. We must remain young forever. YOLO. This moment's going to last forever. No, it's not. YOLO, man. Yeah. YOLO. You know what that is, right? I do. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, that's a horrible – Sip it. It's stupid. a horrible message. It's because absolutely. no, like, you know, the thing is like, you know, high school, it goes by so quickly. It seems like you're in this prison sentence forever. Once it's over, it's completely over and it becomes a memory very quickly. Now – could you be biased because you are a professor? I, you know, I, I think that's that's one thing I've been really blessed to be on both sides of that. In fact, there was a period where I was doing my masters and teaching at the same time, so I was All right. serving both. Humble masters. brag. No, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't mean to brag. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I know, I'm just being, a bad time. you know, being, being a teacher, you know, it's like it gives me an opportunity to to see what they're suffering through, right. and I could be the one, you know bringing on the suffering so in a sense it's been good for me because i get it i know what they're going through and i know like you know the stuff they're going to be looking through in the syllabus because i was there too um it's interesting now for me because when i first started doing this i was only 10 years older than most of my students and you know and i looked a lot younger than i do now so now it's like i feel like i'm more of the older guy than when i first started off it was you know and the first day i ever taught at the university very quick anecdote the first day um, I had long hair, I had braces, glasses, a t-shirt, shorts, and sandals because I thought, well, I've seen all the other teachers in this department, you know, it's kind of a hippy-dippy feel out here, like surely like they don't expect me to dress up. And so the first day I get in front of my class, this is my first day ever on a college campus, and I start to introduce myself, and they all thought I was joking. They all thought like I was standing up in class messing around while the real teacher wasn't there yet. So every day after that... It was always suit and tie. Mm. I always like dressed to the nines, Mr. Chips, lean on me style every day after that. Um, and it was nice for a while to be like, oh, you know, I'm on the same wavelength as them. It's, it's kind of cool. But now, you know, I'm definitely at a point where like I'm, I'm the older guy. I'm like pushing 40. I might as well be 100 years old. Sure. So. Just, just about. So I, I think it's interesting that your perspective on that. I'm glad that you and I agree. I, I wish that more teachers would stop teaching how to rebel against the system in in that respect, and more just teaching them and making kids suffer. I'm looking for the su- the suffering is what I'm looking for. That's the suffering. That's what I'm looking for. I'm lo- I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that. Um, how can I put this? I, I'm I'm looking for the 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 field of study that's going to break their spirit. You're looking for the uh, nurse ratchets, uh, correct? Sort of teacher. But you yeah. see, but the thing is, is that here's well, here's what I I want. I want the spirit broken down. And then I want it slowly built back up, slowly, slowly. You don't want it. You don't want the suffering to 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 be healed quickly, but just enough that that there's just that there's that faint hope that they're going to make it. That's that's important. It's always important. I listen. I, I don't know. That's just me. I, I J.K. Simmons is listening to this right now, going, "Yeah." <laughs> Damn straight. Damn straight. Let me ask you this, G. Did you enjoy high school? I t- honest, did. You honestly, if I if, if I have to tell you, my high school years were some were so much fun. Yep. They were. You look back at them. You look back on them, and you realize. 
I was blessed enough to be to go to public and private school. I graduated from private school. Yeah. Um, those are the so those are some of the best years of my life. I I love it, and I and I'm really thankful that my that my folks were able to put me through private school. So you know, it's but ironic. You know, it's so funny is that you bring that up, and what I keep, we keep belaboring the point here. But what I find interesting is that all of the all of the tropes and cliches that are in the movies about high school. I don't think they're correct. Mm. Like, I've never look. I'm 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 I've always been a big guy. I've never been I've never been stuffed into into a locker. Not because I couldn't fit in it. I know you're thinking, Barry, but that's I'm not. not <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that I was never bullied. I mean, I was I was a nerd, but I was also an athlete. I I hung out with athletes. I hung out with nerds. I hung out, and they weren't even nerds. They were just people that liked different things. No one in my in the school that I went to, public or private, mind you, both. No one was ever bullied. No one was ever, you know, it, it almost seems like the nerds have taken over a little bit and have kind of fashioned this story about how, you know, how, what they thought life was like for them or how they felt as opposed to what really happened. You know, guys that are popular are too busy being popular to worry about some two-bit nerd, you know, that's in front of their locker or whatever. That doesn't, so I, I think that some of that is, that championing of the uh, of the bully, I don't think is I, I, th- I don't think it's accurate. And I, I, I and I'm not exactly I am not I'm not the you know the Friday night quarterback by any stretch, you know I'm I'm far from. But I was never I never had those experiences. So what I see in those movies, I, I look and I'm going, I never had that. Is this what's happening at school now? Am I missing something or is there? I, I I'm totally disconnected, especially with with movies about that. I'm like. Yeah. Is this really happening in schools? Because if it is, then that's bloody awful. But I realize that it's just a movie, and I'm pretty sure that most of this stuff isn't really happening. Probably just a lot of gossip, but nothing. I mean, am I wrong, Professor Barry? You, you're the guy who hangs around school. I would say the best movie I've seen about high school in the last 10 years, actually a little older than 10 years now, is Mean Girls. I feel like there is honesty to that film. I, mean, I, I feel like it I addresses, actually agree with you. It addresses and transcends stereotypes, which is rare because most of these movies wallow in stereotypes. You're absolutely right. I mean, like all of the cliques and cliches that are unfortunately alive and well in high schools, they're alive and well in these movies. And the thing about something like The Breakfast Club, to go with the really I was just about to say, a really old example, that movie is about the stereotypes and it's about transcending stereotypes because that unfortunately is one of the big things of high school. It's, you know, you look at someone and go, who are you? What exactly, what club are you part of? Do I want to be a part of this? It's like friendship becomes an accessory. And it's something, you know, that hopefully we can, you know, rise above and not go into that that whole logic of like, well, I, I need to be with the cool kids or the beautiful people, whatever that is. You need to be who you are. You need to, you know, embrace individuality. That's always hard. It's always hard, especially if you feel, really, if you feel more, more so even if you look yeah, like an outsider, if you feel like an outsider, you need to transcend that. And That's Jim, what I love yeah. about nerd culture. Yeah, and I think that that, I think that John Hughes was so in touch in the 80s especially with the kids because if you notice his movies you know you know, you watch his movies he it's never about people being bullied around it's about a popular guy but no one's ever no one's really ever bullied. The only person I can ever think of was Judd Nelson's character in The Breakfast Club. Yeah. But he's having issues at home. The Breakfast Club is one of those movies that really has, in my opinion, I mean, some people disagree with me. I think that movie has aged w- very well. Yeah. Very well. It tells an amazing story that can be that is very much of today. It tells about different types of people, and it, you know, it, it's just there's just something so good about that film and. 
things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. John Hughes, in my opinion, no one has come close to capturing what it was like. Because you and I are kids of that time. Right. No one has ever captured that. Um, uh, kids uh, and their lifestyle like that, ever. Um, has ever done it with such such care and such love and such um, um, such an eye for it. And this guy was what at the time? Like in his 40s? Yeah, he was an older dude, but you're absolutely right. He was somehow in touch with his younger generation. Um, I, I think... For me, the valuable thing about his movies is it made me see these archetypes in a way that made me recognize how complex we all are in my own life. The one that always comes to mind for me is some kind of wonderful. There's a character in that movie played by Elias Coteas. He's the, the school bully. Yes, yes. Who, becomes, who later becomes friends with Eric Stoltz, the one he's bullying. And you know, that's, that's one of his... That's one of his uh newer films as it were you know because yeah. those the, that, that i don't remember that, that might have been his debut yeah that might what well, was it was uh, some kind oh, of oh, 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 oh i'm talking about john hughes oh, john hughes yeah that was later on yeah that was 87 yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was much later yeah yeah because his first i mean if i can remember in order I mean, there was 16 candles right. and then uh, <laughs> uh breakfast club weird science ferris bueller pretty in pink some kind of wonderful and then uh he started to do some adult films uh plain strange automobiles and she's Having a baby. Don't forget Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck, thank you. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, he also wrote Vacation 1 and 3. Of course. And then uh, the last thing I think he did was Dutch and Curly Sue. Dutch is one of my favorite movies. Oh, Dutch. Love Dutch. I think it's... Home Alone is a road movie. Absolutely. Ed O'Neill, Ed O'Neill, I think, is so good in that film. And Ed O'Neill is... I think he is not praised enough for his work in that movie. He's great. Yeah, he's, I, I, I he's amazing. That I love that movie very much. But yeah, but getting back to what you're saying, I, I don't think it seems like we're that's all we get now when it comes to teenage movies. It's just just a bunch of cliches, and just that's all it is now. It just doesn't seem no one's really captured the essence like John Hughes had of what it's like to be a kid. And like you said, Elias Coteas, getting back to your story, that was that was. That was one. That was some kind of wonderful. Not one of my favorites, by the way. Mm. Can you believe that? A lot of people think that. A lot of people love that movie. You, you're one. I of did. Them. I'm a fan because it, it, it played like a role reversal of Pretty in Pink, and I like it better than Pretty in Pink. Uh, Pretty in Pink was good, but the only thing that didn't work was that Ducky should have ended up. You're absolutely right, yes. and that would have been the honest ending because we know that she had better chemistry with with Ducky than with the Al- Andrew McCarthy character. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was he was going to kick her out the car and throw her to the curb in ten years, guaranteed. Absolutely, she's crawling back to Duck. That's a guarantee, and he dumb enough is going to take her back. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it dumb? Would it be dumb for him to take her back after ten years? No, I, I don't know. It's true love, I, I guess. Know. That's a good question. <laughs> but anyway, I, the no one has captured that, and I think that unfortunately for some of us now, maybe because we are so, maybe we're are we jaded? No, no, I think you're right. I mean, there hasn't been a real voice. I mean, I think what Tina Fey brought to Mean Girls was valuable. I thought Easy A was really overrated. I, I thought, hate that I movie. thought Emma I hate Stone it. was very strong in the movie, but I don't think it's a good film at all. It got all these all, the, all these kudos I didn't think it deserved. I think Easy A and She's All That are part of the problem. These movies are just wallowing in stereotypes. Everybody's like, it's that guy. It's the... F- you know, it's it's the wacky fat guy. It's the it's the cool hipster black guy. It's Paul Walker as the bully's best friend. Like everybody's playing these corny, stereotypical roles. Nobody feels like they're real. They all look right. like they're out of a Gap commercial. Right. Absolutely. Um, we almost had we almost had what looked like the next John Hughes, and it just did not happen because which was Kevin Williamson. Mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson. Like, like I can't say I'm a big. Fa- I'm not down with the Creek. I wasn't a big Dawson's Creek fan, but you had Dawson's Creek. You had Scream. And it looked like this guy was really like connecting with youth audience. And then he did uh, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, 
which kind of took away all oh, of his yeah, cred. Yeah. And then, of course, he wrote Cursed, which was not another Scream. So, Well, you, would hit, you, you could say that Dawson's Creek would have been, a, would have, if it was made now, probably would not have been made considering that Joshua Jackson has an affair with his teacher. Wasn't that in the pilot? That was. Yeah. So I don't know if it would have made it. You know, Dawson's Creek. Can you believe we're talking about how edgy Dawson's Creek is? In 99, that was edgy. That uh, was edgy. I, well, at that's one point. At one point, yeah. uh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's rather it's rather laughed at now, but... I've never understood why they all... Everybody in that show talks like they're a 30-year-old, like, philosophical professor, like... You know, Kevin read, Williamson for Yeah, like, 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 James Vanderbeek. I, I remember, like, James Vanderbeek and Kate, Katie Holmes, like, walking down the high school hallways, like, you know, I was reading Kierkegaard the other day, and I, <laughs> I gotta say, like, I don't know, I think existentialism is a little overrated, but, you know, next to socialism, I don't know, but it is a system that, we, you know, like... Nobody talks like he lives on a creek. Nobody is talking about this crap on the creek. Like this isn't like I was around that age, and I'm a fairly well-read guy. I would never be talking to the hot girl about Kierkegaard. Come on, man! This is such crap. Nobody talks like this. Kierkegaard is—he's just passe. He's just passe. passe. But hey, want to listen to some Lannis Morrison? Yeah, right. Take some pills, cut some wrists, whatever. Jeez, good lord. Anyway, Dawson's Creek. Da- Boy, we end our little we end our little nerd book talk. That's what happens Dawson's when we talk about Nicholas Sparks. We're like, you know, going, you know. I'm surprised we haven't talked about Felicity yet. So we find well, don't get started. That's J.J. Abrams. Don't don't. Were you a fan? Started. No, I watched a few seasons because of the lovely, beautiful, extraordinary woman I'm married to, whose taste in TV is a little. If you oh, time. I thought you were talking about Carrie Russell. <laughs> Not married to Carrie Russell, but no, I did watch some Felicity. I'll, I'll own up to that. Um. I think what what we gotten out of this entire talk is is that no one comes close to capturing the essence of teenage life better than John Hughes. Uh, yeah, I'd uh, second even that. life. Period. I mean, because my one of my favorite movies is Breakfast Club, and my favorite John Hughes movie. Ooh, that's a tough one. My favorite teenage John Hughes movie is, of course, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice, love it. My that's my favorite. And then my favorite film of his is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That is Definitely. that is that is an amazing. That transcends comedy. That transcends drama. That transcends just about every genre you could think of. I mean, in it's in that in that space. Yeah. So it's quite amazing. I love that movie. It's weird. Like I've told my brother this, and it's like it's only people who watch that movie every year really get this but I don't you know and I, it's hilarious but I don't even see it as a comedy anymore it moves me so much the emotion in that film yeah. the genuine chemistry going on between the two I, you know it's obviously has a lot to do with the fact that John Candy is no longer with us this is a guy I, I freaking love John Candy and I miss John Candy so much and that movie it really does move me so much to a point where I kind of forget about all the when I think about it. I think about all the emotional stuff. I, I forget all the the funny scenes that the movie's mm-hmm. famous for. Right, right, uh, right, right. Because the, the 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 obvious thing that comes to your mind is the speech of "I like me." Yeah, yeah that's what that that's the very first thing that's at the forefront of my mind. Yes, and when the, I think and the of scene it. at the train station at the end. Yeah, I mean, it just it really it really moves me so much that I forget about the scene like where where Candy's. Uh, Sleeve gets stuck in the side of the car, and they almost cry. You know, like all those the slapstick stuff. I remember all the moments where it's like these are about two people who are nothing alike, and they really do go through this really remarkable journey together. Yeah, and that was the first time I regarded Steve Martin as an actor. Sure. Um, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't a big fan. A lot of people, you know, 
a bow at the altar of the jerk or the lonely guy. Not me. I'm not a. I'm not a. I wasn't a big fan of his early stuff. To be honest, don't kill me. But I wasn't. But playing trains and automobiles changed my mind in looking at Steve Martin, and he was such a good actor in that. And he was so yeah. the chemistry between those two. It's almost it's it's almost perfect that they only did one movie together. Yes, it's perfect that I they agree. did one movie together. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he did Roxanne that same year, and that movie I love Roxanne. Oh, that it's a great movie. movie. That movie got all the kudos, but I, I really feel like Planes, Trains is the one that has lasted, has had more durability than Roxanne. As much as I like that film, but I agree with you. I think that year for me, likewise, that was because after Planes, Trains came Parenthood and. Followed the bride of mine. That watered it down for me. Wasn't a big fan of Parenthood. Well, what I about mean, Parenthood? I mean, I liked it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying when I look at it through the lens of planes, trains, and automobiles, sure. I'm not looking at that as something that I'm going to say, hey, listen, this is what I know Steve Martin for. And, you know? Yeah, and I, I would agree with you in terms of John Hughes, too. I mean, it's such a stylish movie. It's sure. like it, it's not just a well-made comedy. I mean, it's like really, really cool, like some of the, some of the angles he does. By the way, have you ever noticed um, the uh, – the book that John Candy is reading in the airport when he first meets Steve Martin? You know, I do, and I don't recall. What, it, what's it, it called? It kills me every time. It's, you know, because we all know that John Candy is from, from Canada. Yes. The book is called Canadian Mounted. <laughs> it's got a picture of a girl in a parka on the cover. <laughs> She's reading like some comedian erotica. They just I always forget it's coming and I see it and it always just makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> John, John Candy, sir, you are definitely missed and uh, so and I think I think that Planes, Trains and Automobiles is as close to a perfect film as you can get. It's yeah. for at least in my opinion. Yeah. Love that movie. I watch it every Thanksgiving. Yeah, every that's that's a Thanksgiving movie. That's yeah. exactly what that is. Every single season for sure. All right. Let's close the nerd book. All right. All John right. Hughes and Nicholas Sparks. Dare we even mention the name of John Hughes the with Nicholas sentence. Sparks in the same sentence? Sorry, Ugh. Mr. Hughes. Yeah, sorry, Mr. Hughes. Um, did you know that uh, John Hughes, getting back, going back, uh, doing a callback, you know he's a Republican? I, I do remember that. Because <laughs> of Ben Stein. Yeah, oh, that's, right. I, that's how I found out about that. I didn't know that. Anyway, do you know that the last movie he almost made was Made in Manhattan? He yes, wrote, he, he wrote, wrote it. Wrote a screenplay called The Chambermaid, and he wrote it for Julia Roberts. She couldn't do it for whatever reason, so the whole thing got completely rewritten without his liking. He took his name off of it, and it became Made in Manhattan, the Jennifer Lopez vehicle. Unfortunately, and that's the one with um, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes, yeah, yes. Wayne Wang directed that. Yes, yeah. yes, Wayne Wang. Yeah. Oh man. Well, if you ever want to watch uh, Made in Manhattan, now you have an excuse. Hey, this is John Hughes did this. That's right. You could say that. Cool. I don't know how much of it him is actually left <laughs> in the movie. But. I'm sure. I'll, I, I guarantee you, a lot of it was. After what you know, I'm saying maybe maybe a lot of it was because they didn't want to rewrite it. Maybe I don't know. I hope. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, let's close the nerd book now. Right. Moving on to some more nerdy stuff. There was a premiere of a trailer on the internet that we have been hotly anticipating for quite some time but have not heard hide nor hair of for a while. Ant-Man reared its tiny little antennae and we saw an official trailer for the Ant-Man movie. Marvel's Ant-Man. I watched it. I posted it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash thenerdwatch. What did you think, and did you watch it? It looks promising, which is nice. Um, I'm still, 
you know, for all the versatility that Paul Rudd has, and I, I think he's a very versatile and terrific actor, and I, I'm a big fan of Paul Rudd. I always have been. It, it's I don't know if I buy him as an ex-con. <laughs> That's the part of the movie. I see the trailer, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And it, maybe it's just because I've seen him play so many romantic comedy leads and in, in so many comedic films. Um, I mean, I forget. You know, it's easy to forget that his first movie was Halloween Six. You know, he's actually. Oh, I watched that the yeah. other other, uh, other few months ago. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Man. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he's actually he's done some edgy stuff. He did some, some tremendous stuff on Broadway. He's a very versatile actor, but he's done so many comedies that the action part of him still feels a little foreign to me. Maybe right. maybe once I see the film, I'll do be you able think? To... Do you think? And maybe after you've seen it, do you yeah. think that it's because it's not so much buying him as an action hero, but buying him as a real as a as a as a as someone who's funny, who can deliver a line. Maybe that's what we're looking for because if he's behind a mask, we're not going to really see Paul Rudd anyway, right? Yeah, it's like I feel like he's, on the one hand, he's comedic enough for the comedic aspects that are clearly in this movie, but I almost wonder if he's, I don't want to use the word lightweight because that's an insult, but I wonder if he uh, doesn't have the edge and gravitas for the edgier aspects of this movie. It's possible. I mean, I see where you're going with that. After watching the trailer, I thought it was... The, I thought it was very funny that the scene between Michael Douglas and he where uh, he says, we want to basically, I'm paraphrasing of course, we want to transcend, you know, or no, Paul Rudd says to Michael Douglas, listen, I'm turning my life around, I don't want to be a criminal, I don't want to be that, so yes, I'm in for what you want want me to do. And then Michael Douglas turns to him and says, you know, I want you to go and steal a bunch of great stuff that I need for to do this. And he's like, well... That's pretty much my life right there. And I thought that that was kind of cute, and that works for Paul Rudd because he can, he can work with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, the action in the, in the, the CGI action in the, in the trailer was pretty, um, uh, was pretty, pretty well done. Uh, the Ant-Man effect seemed very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, uh, the, the, his nemesis seems very um very well done as well Corey Stoll plays him the yellow jacket um but uh, I really think that 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 trailer has really kind of changed made me change my mind a little bit I'm not as worried about it anymore Mm. I mean I think the moment that I saw Ant-Man traversing a bullet that was coming out of the gun at him I thought that was very cool yeah and I thought that the ending of the trailer where we see a train barreling down on the Ant-Man and all of a sudden it's a toy train, I thought that was super cute. Yeah. I think that that's like, maybe that's what we're going for this time around. Do you Have you changed your mind? Have you come around on the Ant-Man or are you still worried? I'm worried because it's, you know, it's a late in the summer movie. Um, so even if it is spectacular, it feels like it's opening. You know, there's always the danger that there's just going to be so many other films out there, and we're going to be so you know worn out on these movies that we're we're not even going to give it a shot. That's just what happens. I mean, if this thing had opened in May, it would be a different feel. But because it's kind of late in the game, I do worry that people are going to go. Well, you know, there's other things out there. Um, yeah, so, so I worry about that. I, I I worry that you know we're seeing the best bits in the trailer. I don't know if, you know, we're seeing these great parts, and there may be a lot of great parts, but I don't know if it's all going to cohere into something that manages to be tonally consistent. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I I worry about all those things. Like, on the one hand, you know, the thing is, and this, you know, the previous episodes of the show all add up to this. I mean, you know how terrible I am at this, because last summer I was going, I don't know about that Guardians of the Galaxy, you know. That's true. Your track record stinks. It's horrible. I don't know about that Chris Pratt. I mean, he's great, but can he carry a movie? I don't know, man. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I've been, I've been really wrong before. I mean, I, uh, 
And I've been so wrong about summer movies. I remember um, the one that a friend of mine still makes fun of me for because when I was younger, I mentioned it. I thought The Mask was going to be the top grossing movie of the summer of 94. And the one that I picked as the flop, I said, you know what? I read Forrest Gump. Uh, Forrest Gump is nothing like Tom Hanks. That that movie is not going to work as a film. Uh, you know, the the character is described as like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Tom Hanks is totally miscast. I saw the trailer; it doesn't look anything like the book. Like this, you know, it's a movie about you know American history. Nobody's. But what is a Forrest Gump anyway? Like, who would go to a movie called Forrest Gump? Well, anyway. Well, yeah, and so goes the story. Yeah, yeah. you're so completely I'm cons- wrong. I'm, you know, like I feel like like I'm really. You know, I know my film history, and I love this so much, but I've been really, really wrong about this before. So, so you know, in Vegas, you can bet on the top-grossing movies. And I'm a bad bet. So, so here, no, 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 no. That's the thing is that you're not a bad bet because everything that you say, if you bet against you, then you'd, they'd be right, and they'd make money. Yeah, so Sarah? by that yeah. reasoning, Ant-Man could be one of the best films of the year. Uh, and that ended up being I, – I, I didn't love Guardians of the Galaxy to that effect. But, I mean, most people would say that it was one of last year's best films. It was last year's top grossing film until right. American Sniper, depending on how you look at that. Um, yes, it, it, American Sniper is, all right? I'll have none of this anti-American talk. All right, all right. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, you know, but this it does present something interesting here because – What's that? Uh, well, I mean, you know – Ant-Man could really, really work having an actor who's giving kind of a low-key and relaxed performance because we had that with Chris Pratt. Um, I wouldn't say that Robert Downey Jr. was relaxed as Tony Stark, but in that original film, it's a hardworking performance, but he's also kind of playing off a very familiar part of the Robert Downey Jr. persona. That first movie, that first Iron Man movie, is almost near perfect. I agree. Almost. It is so well done. And the, the the it captures the essence of Iron Man. It captures the essence of of Tony Stark. John Favreau did an amazing job on that film. So it's so surprising to me that Iron Man Two wasn't as polished. Yeah. I, I really thought that he had that down pat. May I don't know where they were going with it. Uh, you know, we could say that Iron Man Two is probably the weakest of the Marvel movies for sure. Yeah, I agree. With that. Um, for you know. Uh, it's not that I don't like Iron Man 2, but it's not like I would go back and watch it. I'd watch 3 before I'd watch 2. It's not a great movie. It's, it's just, not. It's, it, it just it, isn't. It just isn't. Yeah. So with that in mind, Ant-Man um, being, the, being the second movie uh, of Marvel Summer, right? And a movie with a famously, famously troubled history. Very famously troubled history. Uh, I have a glimmer of hope. Uh, I, I am still a little worried like you, but I feel a lot better. Um... I'm hoping that they can finish the effects in time, too. Sure. I'm assuming they're going back with a fine-tooth comb and making sure that these effects look very good. Yeah. So hopefully everything is well. Uh, with this Ant-Man trailer, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm back on track with the Ant-Man. Yes. I'm very excited. All right. Now, Professor Barry, mm-hmm. moving on. We haven't talked about this. I've, I posted some stuff on the Nerdwatch about it on Facebook.com slash the Nerdwatch. Creed. Creed, yeah, uh, the film that is about or a spinoff of the Rocky franchise. It is being directed by the the director of uh, Fruitvale Station, yeah. uh, Ryan Coogler. Uh, it was, I'm assuming, it was his idea to come up with this uh, uh, t- with this film Creed. Uh, I believe Sylvester Stallone had a hand in helping write it, um, screenplay it, possibly. I believe, but this is Ryan Coogler's baby. This is what he wanted to do. This is the son of. Apollo Creed, um, Carl Weathers' character. 
Um, the Sylvester Stallone has a, he, he Instagram an official pic of uh, of him and uh, Apollo Creed's son in the film, played by the one and only um, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. I, I'm I get excited about Rocky movies regardless. The th- I mean, I was even excited about Rocky Five, and that movie was terrible. Um, Creed. This is not a Rocky movie, but um, the it is a it is a Rocky film in vain. Do you think that this is going to capture an audience? Uh, do you think that this is Sylvester Stallone is in the film? He is going to be training the son of Apollo Creed, his 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 nemesis and best friend. Um, do you think that this could spawn a new franchise? Um, if it does, that worries me. I'd rather the film be a one-off. Um, I don't know. This is tough for me because I feel like Rocky Balboa, against all odds, was just one of the shining examples of that genre. And a movie that, you know, I remember when they first announced it, the trailer was in theaters, people were laughing at it. The word on the film was not good simply because what are the odds that Rocky Six could be good? And Rocky Six, I think, is a terrific film. And it was a big fat hit. And it brought Stallone. You mean Rocky Balboa? Rocky Balboa, yeah. And it brought the, the franchise, the character, back to respectability. I mean, from, the, from Rocky Balboa, he went to Rambo, into the Expendables. I mean, it's the movie that basically brought Sylvester Stallone back. Can I, I've said this famously. You could get rid of two through five. And watch one and six only, and you will see what Rocky was all about. You watch Rocky one, and then Rocky six. You could just watch those two bookended minus two through five, mm. and you could get you could basically get the idea of who Rocky is, where he's been, what he, what journey he's taken. And do you? Some people think I'm crazy, but no, no, no I see what you're saying. I, I've, you know, oddly enough, for me, the the Rocky movie that means the most to me because uh, Rocky goes through so much in the film is the second one. For me, two for me was always the one. If I only had to choose between one to watch for the rest of my life, for me, two is the one that always gets me. Oh, sacrilege, sacrilege, sacrilege! The one to watch, the one that should be in everyone's library, regardless. But without a doubt, the only movie, the only Rocky movie that matters is Rocky Three. That is it. All right. <laughs> Everybody loves and champions Rocky Four. No one likes Rocky Five. Everybody champions. I like Rocky Five. I like I'll Ro- Rocky I like five. Rocky Four. I'm telling you right now, the best <laughs> movie in that franchise is Rocky Three. And can I? Can I? I am going to make the argument for why Rocky Three is the best in the series because we see a champion on top of the world. He has beaten uh, Apollo Creed for the championship, right? Yep. The the um. <clears throat> The lust for admiration and money and fame has gotten to gotten into the head of our hero Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically has become a cliche of himself. Um, he is no longer the Rocky that we fell in love with in Rocky One and Two. He goes through. I dare, I dare I say that he goes through one of the. What, the the he goes through our our hero Rocky Balboa goes through the most traumatic thing that anybody has ever gone through and that's losing Mickey. He loses Mickey in the movie. You can't win, Rock. You know he he tells him. But what does what does Mickey do? Mickey says, you know what? This guy is lean. He's mean. He's got something that you haven't had in years. 
you know, he's got the eye of the tiger. Yes. He's, that's, he's got the, he's got that. You look in his eyes. He's a killer. He's going to kill you. You know, that's, and he wouldn't listen to him. And I think it, the death of, of Mickey is, 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 to me, it's not the fact that he dies. It's the fact that Mickey was right and then he dies. There is something about that, and there is something about there's something about the man who you beat for the title. Okay, I'm not even talking about Mr. T yet because Mr. T's he's he wa- he's hungry. He's hungry. When Apollo Creed comes back in the picture of Rocky Three, and he goes through what he goes through with Apollo Creed, Apollo Creed has enough respect for Rocky to come back and tells him, "You don't have the edge. You don't have the eye of the tiger, Rock. You don't. This is not." And you can sit here and wallow in your... I know your manager dying. I know. You know, I, I could quote this film for days. But I think that that is near perfect because he comes back. He goes through, he, he goes through losing his, his manager. He goes through lo- nearly losing his wife in this one. He never had that in the first two. He loses... Not losing his wife, but he being that scene... On the beach, Professor Barry, when he, the training scene was amazing, but the, the scene between Talia Shire and Sylvester Stallone, between Rocky and, uh, and Adrian, on that beach, where he admits to her, he says, I'm afraid, all right? I'm afraid, all right? That is a revelation, all right? I'm going to tell you right now that there, that is such an emotional content that when she comes to him and she, and she tells him that you can do it, I cried, I weeped. And we get the proverbial, we get the best, the best Rocky Balboa training montage in the series. Uh, don't even give me the whole Russian on the mountain peak. Everybody loves the hearts on fire. Yeah, come on. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's Rocky three. I, 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 and the fact that he comes back and the fact that he builds a relationship with Apollo, the fact that he comes back and he beats Mr. Oh, excuse me, Clubber Lang is for me. He beats him resoundingly. Three rounds, resoundingly. Doesn't even last 15. Three rounds, he beats him. Uh, there is no better movie than Rocky Three in that series for me. No better. I love that movie. Now try and defend your stupid Rocky Two. <laughs> well, first of all, let's just say that I, I'll admire you uh, not talking about Thunderlips. You could have gone a whole I, diatribe on Thunderlips. Right. You didn't, so thank you for Listen, holding back. Listen, he is the ultimate male. Okay? All right? For those of you at home who wanted to know what the last five minutes was like for me, imagine, go ahead and rewind that, and imagine after every single point Greg makes, he is stabbing the air with his finger. It's very hot in this room, and yet it's like the fan is on, because because Greg is stabbing the air with every single point that he makes, all of which are very passionate and angry. Now, I'm a fan of Rocky Three. How could you not be a fan of Rocky Three? You cannot here's, be. Here's my problem right, with Rocky Three. All, right, all right, what's the problem? I don't feel... All right. I feel like the outcome of the fight is inevitable. I don't feel like there was any chance Rocky of could have course. lost. Of course! Because when it came to Rocky Two, I think there was a chance he could have lost again. Uh, either it had been a draw or he could have lost. In Rocky Four. I was anticipating it being the last Rocky. He could have died because, for Pete's sake, this guy killed his best but friend. But no one thought Rocky was going to lose to Clubber Lang in the very first fight. I thought, well, you know, I, I didn't have any doubt 
no doubt at all how Rocky Three was going to end. For me, that's a problem that I have. Every time I saw the film, I thought, there's no way Clubber Lang's going to kill this guy. How dare you. Because Rocky, I mean, he, he lost Mickey. He's got the eye of the tiger. He's been trained by Apollo Creed. There's no way this movie can't end the way we all know it's going to end. Mm-hmm. That's my problem. And that's the thing that for all the crap it gets, and it gets a lot of crap, and it deserves a lot of the crap it gets, I love the fifth one because nothing feels inevitable in that one. The fifth one's a weird movie. He's, he, has a, he has a troubled relationship with his son. He gives it all to the Tommy Morrison, the Tommy Gunn character. It ends in a street brawl where nothing feels like, like wow, it's like this movie isn't going by any playbook like anything could happen here and it, it, it the ending is both abrupt but it's also kind of refreshingly different from the rest of the movie right. I like that it's about a father who basically wants to connect with his son but he loses his son he tries to go back to the streets he has no street cred um, and, I, and I think it's an interesting bridge to Rocky Balboa. Right, and the ending of a Rocky Balboa picture should be with Elton John singing Measure of a Man. What? That is terrible. It's a good song. Oh, my, it's horrible. You don't like the Rocky Five soundtrack? I, Do you like Go For It, that awesome I, okay. heart I, and fire? I, I, you know, I kind of like the hip-hop yeah. element of that one, yeah. but you are so wrong about, about three. About three. I'm telling you right now because you know why? Let me tell you this, too. You know why it's personal between Clover Lang and and and. and, and and um, Rocky Balboa. Mm. No one has ever, ever, ever in that series ever insulted Adrian That's the true. way Clover Lang. Hey woman! Hey woman! Hey woman! Hey woman! When you're done with him, you're <laughs> yeah. the real hey, man. That's right. Call me up later tonight. I'll show you a real man. man. No one has ever done that, and Rocky that's was going to knock his head off, and that's, that's why I thought that he would never lose that fight the that's first true. time. It was personal. That it was, was personal. It was. That's a dang right. It was Rocky Three is personal. Do you dislike the Rockies that are directed by John G. Alvinson? I just don't. out of curiosity. I love the first one because you, it sounds like you don't like any of the movies that are not directed by Stallone. No, not I, counting the first. One. I love. I love. Look, here's the thing: is I love them all. I love them all equally. Yeah. I just love three more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Sure. Um, I, I, loved, I love Rocky Balboa. Yeah. That was an amazing movie. But you got to admit, Rocky Balboa was also inevitable. You knew that, that he wasn't, wasn't going to win. I don't know. I, I, I think the tragedy of the character moved me so much. I mean, it opens up with this guy wallowing in the street. I mean, he has this restaurant, but he's kind of a joke. Everybody's humoring him night after night. Even uh, even Polly is like, Where's, what's this guy doing? Uh, he has an estranged – he has a troubled relationship with his son. Uh, I don't know. And, and, and more – and, of course, the, the, the driving force of the character is that he's mourning the loss of Adrian. Sorry, spoiler for an almost 10-year-old movie. Spoiler! Spoiler! But, Jeez! Uh, but yeah, like I don't know. There's something about that guy that was so moving and so tragic to oh, me no. because it seems like it. all the vitality from the '80s are gone. No, I, gone. I agree, and I and that's why I love I love the series. I, there's no doubt about that, and that's what I think. That's what I I like. That's why I like to see Rocky uh, Rocky Balboa on screen. There's just there's a magic that draws me to to the theater to yeah. go see Rocky. People applauded when I... Because that was a movie like it opened up around... It, it, it's, it, and to get back to Creed, and we'll talk more about Creed, but Creed has the same uh, release pattern. Like Rocky Balboa opened up around Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving. And, I mean, scene after scene, people, when I saw the film in the theater, people were applauding left and right. I yep. thought, this is interesting because people were making fun. I heard cat calls when the trailer came up. Rocky Balboa was critically acclaimed. It made $80 million, which nobody thought was going to happen. I mean, it really was one of the big movie comeback stories of the year. So I love that that story ended the way it did. The thing with Creed, 
is as interesting as the son of Apollo Creed is, this story has always been about Rocky Balboa. I mm. wonder, is there going to be enough of Rocky in this movie that it will feel like a companion piece to the others? Or is it going to be like, are we just going to sit there waiting for Stallone to come and save this movie? And I think that, that, and I think that Michael B. Jordan is electric enough on screen that he could bring something to the Creed character um, and look at it from the guy. You know, you're, we're looking at it from a different perspective. We're looking yeah. at it from from Apollo Creed's perspective because in the movie, Apollo Creed's the one with the silver spoon in his mouth, and Rocky's the guy. So now we're looking at it through the eyes or in the vein of the eyes of Apollo Creed. So I think that it, it's going to work. I think you are right, though. This does not. This this film. This film does not work without Rocky. Matter of fact, I have a prediction. And it's not pain. Okay. Um, <laughs> by the way, great line. What movie was it from? Rocky Three. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to predict something, and I think that people aren't going to like it for those that are Rocky fans. <clears throat> I think that Rocky dies hmm. in Creed. I think Rocky dies. And I think this is a perfect way for him to die. Uh, not in his own movie. Not in the ring. I think he dies of something else, but he's passing on his lineage to his best friend's son. Hmm. And I think it's a it's it's very much a uh, it's very much a cycle from Rocky Four. So he's giving back before he passes to his son what his father gave to him. So my brain's working. Sorry, I got I got this thing in my head. I think that's what's going to happen. Sorry, spoiler. Movie's not even out yet. I I haven't seen it, but that's my guess. Okay. Um, and I think. I don't know. I don't know if Ryan Coogler can. I don't know. I, I don't know about Ryan Coogler's directing of a film of this magnitude. I surely hope Sylvester Stallone is guiding him. I surely hope that Ryan Coogler is happy to take that advice. I mean, carry your own vision. But I, I, I sure hope that he understands that he <clears throat> understands that Sylvester Stallone understands the characters. Yeah. You know, even the son of Apollo Creed. So. I'm excited. I saw the first, it's on Facebook.com slash Nerdwatch. You can see the picture. It was Rocky and um, I think his name is Adonis. Perfect. And, isn't it great? Very isn't perfect. it great? Thinking back to the first movie, that's perfect. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, are you excited for Creed? Um, the trailer, I think, is going to tell us a lot, honestly. Although, that said, uh, the trailer to Rocky Balboa was a little shaky, so you never know. You never, never know. I mean, this might be one of these things where we just got to see it opening day and see how it is, but. I mean, I'm like, yo, there's no way I'm missing the chance to see a Rocky movie. We're not missing theater. Creed. There's, there's no way. I, you know, and I can't say that in my life I've ever been one of those indignant fo- bo- uh, fanboys. Like, I will not see it. No, I mean, I've, I've even the ones that, you know. Even the, even ones, the ones, that, ones that suck. Yeah, like five. Above, yeah you gotta, you got to see them. But now this one, I'm excited because Stallone's involvement. And I and I, I loved Fruitvale Station, so I like this director. Um I hope everything gels. I really do. Because if it does, this could be one of the best films of the year. I surely hope so, and it's coming out in November. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, Professor Barry, I think we've run the well dry for this week on movie news. So let's get into some TV stuff. Uh, And I wanted to transition into some television uh, because, first of all, for all of you nerds out there, Gotham is back on television uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this season is becoming an amazing uh, it's much better than the first it's, a, it's an amazing new way to look at it I started watching a little bit of it it's very good but even more so than that we got a premiere on Netflix of Marvel's Daredevil uh, I am almost halfway through 
or the series. I should be done with it by the time by the time we meet again. Uh, you also have watched. Um, so uh, we uh, since we know about Gotham and we know about this and we can uh, we know about um, Marvel Agents of Shield and we know about all these other things that are on primetime television. Let's talk a little bit about the about the show that we can binge watch. Yeah. What do you think so far of Daredevil? What is your take? What do you think? It reminded me in the most complimentary sense of what it was like as a child to watch uh, Beauty and the Beast when that was on television, the Ron Perlman, Linda Hamilton series. Right. Because, uh, you know, I think eventually that, that show kind of kind of went into kind of a soap opera direction. But the pilot, especially if you look at the pilot, that show uh, was violent. Mm. It had a great deal of danger. It was edgy and it was strange. And there wasn't really anything like it on television at the time. Looking at Daredevil reminds me of that of that aspect of it, and I, I I'll say this respectfully because I haven't sat through whole episodes of Gotham yet. I've kind of looked at bits and pieces of it, and I, I can certainly admire the craft there. But one of the things that kind of turned me off about the show that it hasn't really like made me want to like to, to to binge watch Gotham is that it always kind of feels like it's very self consciously a comic book show. Um, it's like you look at oh, it like yeah. this is clearly like, saying, this yeah. is clearly Batman the series. This is clearly referencing the source material. This is clearly a show that's very much, you know, trying to tap into both worlds. And that's fine. But the thing that I love about Daredevil is that it doesn't feel like it's necessarily Daredevil. It's tough as nails. And it it's is. edgy and it's violent and it's disturbing and it feels grounded in real life. The one thing I didn't like about the pilot initially was uh, was uh, Matt Murdock's partner, but after a while, it's like you know, Foggy. What? I loved him the first time I talked to him, or okay. I talked to him. I should say the first time we got the chance to sure. relate to him. And the character has grown to me because it's like, man, we need this guy because otherwise, oh, yeah. this show does not crack a smile, and I love that about it. It's an edgy, violent show. And he is he is yeah. the relief of the, of the darkness that is prevails in this show. It. We really, really need it. And the actor playing at the playing Daredevil is fantastic. Um, Charlie oh, Cox, he's wonderful. I, I'm, I'm digging this show big time. I have to tell you, um, if you have, if you don't have Netflix, um, this Daredevil show, if you are anywhere a fan of of comics or whatever, this is a show to get into. It is um, surprisingly dark, surprisingly violent. I mean, I've read Daredevil comics, and those comics are quite are are, are quite uh, violent, and they're they capture the spirit of the comics for sure. But I wasn't expecting what I got in the Daredevil uh, series on Netflix. This is, um, this, is, this is a new transition. This is, this is something that makes me feel comfortable with Netflix doing um, the Defenders series. Defenders is almost like the B-team Avengers, and you could have that on the Netflix channel, you know, like Iron Fist and the like. Um, I would love to format, mention this on the Facebook.com page, he mentioned that on the Nerdwatch page that he's now, feel, after watching this, he feels comfortable with The Punisher being put on Netflix. Yeah. I agree with him. I actually agree with him. Um, yeah. There is something, the chemistry between um, uh, Charlie Cox and, uh, I should say, excuse me, Matt Murdock and Foggy is great. They work well together. I, he's really growing on me. I like him in, in the world of darkness. He is the light, which I really think is great. Rosario Dawson is amazing in the, in the show. 
I wasn't expecting the violence that I got. It's dark, but it's yeah, violence. It's very violent. Um, and I was not expecting that. And, I, and kudos to them for attempting to be violent. And maybe it's so shocking because I wasn't expecting it. Because if yeah. you think about it, it's not, it's not, it's not something you – it doesn't compare to what you see in the theaters by any stretch. But just the essence of what you're seeing is, is quite doggone violent. And the story's good. I really like the fact that they're straddling a several story arcs here. We're re- we're not starting from the beginning. We're start. We're, I mean, we're not starting from the childhood of Matt Murdock. We're seeing flashbacks of yeah. Matt Murdock and his and his <clears throat> father, um, his battling Jack Murdock. Yeah, those are some of those scenes are very touching. Yeah, very uh, strong. Very strong scenes. So the gentleman who's directing who's directing them so far, Lincoln Abraham, is doing an amazing job of putting this together. And kudos to Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard for writing this yeah. amazing stuff. Drew Goddard uh, has done a great job. So. Kudos to him as well. And by the way, kudos to Marvel um, for entrusting uh, Netflix with the series. I mean, I'm sure they're there on hand to do this. Yeah. But being able to, uh, to entrust it to Netflix and entrust it with such a dark edge to it uh, is very cool. And I really, I really am it – reminds me, it reminds me of what television could be uh, or, or what television can be. It can, it can push – it can push the violence. It can push those boundaries, but also have a good story. Yeah, you know, very few shows do that. Uh, shows that we like together: Hannibal, Breaking Bad, um, Bates Motel. These push the push the television further into you know violent content, but the violence is with purpose. It's with because the stories is what you care about. The yeah. characters is what you care about. And in Daredevil, we get the same feeling because you are really rooting at this point, right? I mean, yeah. as far as we're only halfway through. I mean, I am at least. Matt, we're really rooting for Matt Murdock. Yeah. Um, and we're rooting for what he's doing because, you know, underneath all of it, we already know who he is. We're really rooting for him. So I really I can't wait to find out what's next. Um, as far as finishing the series, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm uh, I'm very impressed with it, and kudos to everybody involved. This is a great series so far, and I hope it wraps up rather nicely. Yeah. So, uh, is are you going to continue watching? I am. I'm in, I'm in complete agreement with you. It's not that every comic book show or movie or adaptation needs to be dark and violent. But, no, it doesn't. But in this case, it, excuse me. Yeah, in this case, it's refreshing. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Visually and in terms of the intensity of the violence, but also how engaging the story is, it reminds me of The Crow. It, it visually reminds me of The Crow in a lot of cities. It's a yeah. range-range city in the sense of the violence being so vivid and graphic and a character who's shrouded, uh, but also a part of the light. Sure. Um, it certainly has a better sense of humor than The Crow did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the Crow was just dark. It was just dark. Yeah. But uh, no, I... Uh, uh, I, I'm excited to see where this thing goes. It's just yeah. every, everything feels really, really like everything's just clicking from the first scene on. It's like this this show has confidence, and I mean, it, it, it what, seems like it can really go to a while. The listen, I'm not giving anything away when I say this, but the first the first two episodes, uh, or the or the the second or the first two episodes, deal with with essentially sex slavery. Yeah. Uh, wh- what? And I was like, I said, just that topic and subject matter in itself was rather shocking, and that's what it—that's what it took. Yeah. Uh, that's what it—that's that's the steps that it's taking, and that it's brave to take those steps. So, uh, good job for them. I'm really excited about Daredevil. I hope it does well. I'm, and I'll, we'll have a—at least I'll have. Hopefully, you'll be able to finish because you're a busy man. Hopefully, I'll have a 
a wrap-up report on the rest of them because i got to watch the rest. I'm, I'm hooked. I yeah. really like what I'm seeing so far. So uh, I cannot wait. If you don't have Netflix for 8 bucks a month, you should for Daredevil. Just it's, it's, it's quite amazing. It's great stuff. Anyway, Fresher Berry. Now, next, this, this Friday, we have um, coming out in the theaters. Anything special? Oh, well, we do have one thing special, don't we? <laughs> A sequel. Mm. Yes. Um, yes, we do. Will you be watching any of those? I might because otherwise I've got nothing to write about and I, I need of things course, to write we're, about. We're talking about the classic Paul Blart Mall Cop. Classic being a very sarcastic <laughs> word. There's also uh, the, the would you call it found footage horror movie Unfriended, the Facebook Unfriended? horror film. Man. Yeah, this is a... This is a strong lineup after Furious 7. Strong, yeah, very strong and odorous lineup. Yeah. It's like they're, the studios are taking out the trash. This reminds me, like, uh, I remember the summer of 2004, like the week before all their big movies, it was like Envy with, yeah. with Ben Stiller and, and oh, Jack Black. Oh, yeah, had a Envy. dark comedy about, yeah. the, about the magic spray, uh, this magic poop spray. Yeah, they, they yeah. knew what they had when they released it like the week before. I think like, like uh, what, what was it, Harry Potter? Yeah, I anyway, think so. Anyway, yeah, these are... These are dark times when right well, now. Well, they are, um, but just to, so everybody knows, you will probably be viewing one of them when we get back to us, right? Yes. All yes, right. Well, yes. listen, I have something for you oh. just to just to keep you sane. Okay. There are some really good Blu-ray releases this week ah. before, you know, so they cleanse your palate Yay. from watching Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Who knew? Who knew, we'd, who, who knew we needed a second? Or anyone asked for a second? I still can't believe the first one was a blockbuster. I mean, it, was, it made $144 million. Yeah. Who are these people who went and saw this film I love Kevin. Times? I love Kevin James. Me I, too. I hate that movie. He's funny. He's not funny in that movie. That's nope. not a funny movie. No, it's not. It's Die horrible. Hard in a Mall should work as a comedy, and it just does not it work. It does not work at all. Yeah. It's horrible. But, okay. Palette cleansers for your uh, for you for on video. Here comes this week. the boom. Let me just say, everybody who doesn't <laughs> okay. go to see Paul Bart Mall Cop Two, go see Here Comes the Boom. Great That's a movie, great freaking Kevin James movie. That is a great movie. Nobody saw that in the theater. Why didn't that make one hundred forty four? Why aren't we seeing Here Comes the Boom Two? I want to see that movie. I agree. Here comes the boom. Maybe it's because you know I don't know. Maybe people were in a different place but here comes the boom is a completely underrated kevin james comedy it is i love great. here comes the boom great yeah. show anywho professor barry yes on blu-ray this week to cleanse your palate of all the ugliness that you'll be seeing this coming week we get one of the best horror movies of the year the babadook in my opinion nice it's not on blu-ray this Very week cool. i love the babadook very frightening. Great I movie. love it. A lot of people think it's overrated. I don't. I think it goes places where others don't go, uh, where other movies don't go or brave enough to go. It's great. I love the Baba Duke, and I love the fact that it can be reinterpreted. Yes, that's what's great about ways. it. Different ways. Yeah. In different ways. Definitely. Also on Blu-ray today is a film that you saw and you gave fairly high praise to: Big Eyes, the Tim Burton film from yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I like Big Eyes a lot. Very mm-hmm. good film. Uh, performances by Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz are excellent, and it's. Uh, it's a refreshingly un, uh, not unghoulish, unmacabre Tim Burton movie that just tells the story really well. Uh, he finds all these little Burton like touches in the movie, and our local uh, local newscaster Dan Cook is in the film as well. Oh, you mean the man who does the uh, the Maui Watch uh, uh, morning news update? That is right. That we guy? have a Tim Burton actor doing the Maui Watch uh, 
updates. Yeah, I've never. Oh, wow. Six degrees of separation. That's, That's kind of nice. Isn't that crazy? Very nice. All right. Also on Blu-ray today Love is you, a. Dan. F- uh, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Cook. Mr. Cook. Um, a movie that I have heard very little about. It stars John Cusack and Julianne Moore and Robert Pattinson. Map to the Stars. Oh, I saw that one. Oh, did you? Not a fan. That's, <laughs> that's a David Cronenberg film. I know. It's probably his worst movie. It was written, um, the gentleman who wrote it, Bruce Wagner, is the guy who wrote uh, Wild Palms back in the day. Remember Wild <gasps> Palms? The one with jo- uh, uh, James Belushi. Yeah. That was that? a great show. Crazy. Yeah, I like that, that show. That crazy show, yeah. Crazy show. This is also kind of a sour grapes depiction of Hollywood. It does not have any fantasy elements. It's basically just about uh, the, the empty lives of actors and people who are trying to become famous movie stars. Yeah, Robert Pattinson, Julianne Moore, uh, John Cusack, uh, Mia Wasikowska. There's a there's a lot of great actors in this movie, and it just does not work scene for scene. The dialogue is uh, trying way too hard to be shocking. The violence is also trying too hard. Everybody's just pushing this material way, way, way too hard. It's uh, it's an obnoxious film. It's an ugly movie, and I would normally say anything by Cronenberg needs to be seen. Anything. Uh, this is it's not this. <laughs> this you know I you know, and I'm not trying to like be hyperbole about this because I love Cronenberg. I think he's a fantastic director, but sure. I think this is the first bad movie he's made, and I think this is the only movie of his I'd seen. Worse than Metropo- Metropolis, or Cosmopolis, Cosmopolis. Which I loved. I love Cosmopolis, uh, but I did not love this film. I don't. I think it's. I think it's the only thing he's done that I'd say is totally missable. Wow. Crazy, and I love Cronenberg. I really do. He's one of my favorite directors. This is, but this movie is just stunk. It stunk. Wow, that's a shame. Well, I have something for you then. Yep, Class of 1984. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a fun. It's on Blu-ray today, starring Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox, go figure. Um, Eddie and the Cruisers, and Eddie and the Cruisers (laughs) Two. Eddie lives. Huh. I don't know that. I don't know why this movie lives on the way it does. I'm not a fan. I actually like the sequel a little bit better, and it's not great. No, it's the only not. thing I remember about the first one is that song, "The Dark Side." Oh yeah, the one that they play ad nauseum all through the radio. Yeah. And I remember Tom Berenger and Ellen Barkin are in it for some reason. And even Cruisers, like it played on an HBO a lot, but it's not a great movie. No, it's not at all. Also on Blu-ray today is a film by Carol Reed called "Odd Man Out." Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I've I haven't seen that one. Never I've saw that either. Third Man, of course, the Third Man, man is amazing. Yes, it is. Also, Sullivan's Travels is out on Blu-ray today in a Criterion Collection version. Excellent film. Excellent film. Yeah. Um, Great movie. Uh, a movie that's not so great, The Man with the Iron Fist 2 is out today. <laughs> I'm glad the RZA is still directing. Making movies, yeah. And The Woman in Black 2 as well. That was disappointing. That was the first movie I saw this year. It opened January 1st, and mm-hmm. I counted opening day. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> didn't begin 2015 the way I wanted to. Yeah, it's uh, atmospheric. That's probably the way everybody describes the movie, but it's it's not scary, and I love the original. This movie needed... Oh, with Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. The original, yeah. I mean, we needed Daniel Radcliffe's character back or somebody of his caliber to, to kind of center the movie. But yeah, the sequel... Um, it's got some creepy moments, but it's it's not a good horror movie. Yeah. Well, here's one that might flip your little, little bit. Uh, Tales of Terror. Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Terror starring Vincent Price and um, the one and only, the guy from the movie M. I always I always blank on his name. Basil Rathbone is in it. Peter oh, Laurie. Peter Laurie. Is yes, this, thank is, you. Is this the one Richard Denning's in it too? I yes, think? I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Scary yeah. stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Also, for all you nerds out there, Batman versus Robin. The animated film is out there as well today. Any good? I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it yet. I have it. I can't wait to watch it. So I'm excited. Who, so isn't it a given that Batman would beat Robin? 
Isn't it? Like, Not in the like, DC universe. Kind of like, you know, like Rocky Three, where you know that Rocky <laughs> is going to be Clever Lang. Man, you do a callback all the way to Rocky, man. Yeah. All right, well, that's it. That Those are your Blu-ray releases for the week. I can't wait. Um, what's coming up for you? Uh, before we get out of here, Professor Barry, what is coming up for you? What's on the... Uh, uh, on the Maui Watch page that we're going to be seeing from uh, This weekend, my Looking Back column will look back 10 years ago at a film, a very underrated movie that Steve Martin uh, directed and starred in called Shop Girl. Starred um, uh, Jason Schwartzman and... Uh, Claire Danes. Claire Danes, yeah. yeah. Lovely film. I love Shop Girl. And I think it's gotten just better with age. And then a movie I know you and I both love very much, highly underrated, I don't know why, from 1990, one of the great Bill Murray comedies, Quick Change. Quick Change is an amazing movie. Uh, it's extremely funny. Um, it's, it's just... Gina Davis is in it. Randy Randy Quaid, Bill Murray, um, Jason Robards. Jason Robards yeah. is in it. Philip Bosco, um, yeah, just like wall to wall great actors. Uh, Phil, Phil Hartman's in it. Phil, yeah, it's, uh, it's extremely funny. It's hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical. It is. Um, it is one of the most underrated comedies ever. Yeah, I love Quick Change. I am. I am totally in your camp. Great. I can't wait to read the Looking Back. Thank you. Um, uh, just to let you know, uh, Format, who's out, has uh, he's been writing some reviews. He did the home review. You can check that out on Facebook.com slash The Nerd Watch. I'm sure he's got some more in the docket. He's working on a book as well, so he's been a busy, busy Excellent. man. Uh, Amber, uh, has uh, she's our resident uh, Netflix pick gal, but of course she hasn't had a chance to watch much of Daredevil considering the, facts that, considering the fact she's trying to be a Daredevil in her taxes. Mm. So she's uh, – but uh, she'll be back. She'll be doing some more stuff. Um, uh, telling us what's the latest on Blu-ray and DVD for sure. Um, any so any other reviews that are going to be in the queue for you other than those two looking backs? Or are you got are we lo- are you looking forward to anything putting out? You know, I keep <clears throat> hoping and praying that by some freak accident it follows will come to Maui, and <sighs> I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. If that it movie, does, I'm coming with you. Seriously, man, like playing in four screens on Oahu, but I guess like the the Valley Isle, we're just we're just not going to get this critically acclaimed horror movie that that made the top ten. It's supposed to be one of the best films of the year. Yep, but we'll probably get Paul Blart Mall Cop too, and I'll probably end up having to review that film over the weekend. Ugh. So. Sorry. Oh, by the way, speaking of, I want to let you know, I, it's funny you mentioned, um, we talked about it last week, uh, I uh, I got a copy of Sharky Machine, hey, <laughs> the Burt Reynolds movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. That is a great movie. It is it, it is Burt Reynolds' attempt at being um, Dirty Harry. Sure. By, that's what it is. Yeah. It, it, it's a little more comedic. By you know, by most standards, but it's a pretty darn fun movie. Yeah, uh, it's and the opening song is everyone knows it. It's the it's the opening song from Jackie Brown. Remember Street Life? Oh, Across 110th Street. Across, right, I right. forgot about no, that. No, 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 Street Life. Not not no. Across from 110th Street is by Bobby Womack. That's the beginning of Jackie Brown. You're right. Oh. But the movie, the but the song in Jackie Brown. Remember the song Street Life. When what scene? Uh, I don't remember. I, I can't. Seen Jackie Brown oh in my years. gosh, Crap. neither do I. But anyway, I heard I heard that song and I was like. This isn't. I forgot it was in Sharky's machine. This is totally. That's what it's in. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I ended up getting a copy of Sharky's machine. I'm very excited to watch it. Um, I watched the first ten minutes of it, which is awesome. With the guy, the guy who blows up a, <laughs> the guy blows up a car, a car hood with the shot of his his mag his 44 Magnum. That's that right. Was, that was amazing. Very subtle, Burt Reynolds. Film. Very. But and you know what's funny is that it was his attempt at being violent. It was. Quite violent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very violent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Extremely violent. Uh, extremely violent, considering yeah. that he's the guy of Smokey and the Bandit and Hooper and things like that. So that was very cool, very weird. Um, oh, by the way, uh, before I let you go, Professor Barry, mm-hmm. uh, you'll like this. Okay. Uh, this today, okay, is the 
30th anniversary edition of the release. I forgot. I can't even believe I forgot to mention it. Return to Oz is on Blu-ray. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Return to Oz is on Blu-ray, and I have the proof. I'll show it to you. And Disney actually lays claim to it. Not as big as most movies, but still they lay claim to it. That's amazing, because the DVD I have of it, the Disney name isn't even on it. It's Not not only is it not on the box, it's not on mm-hmm. the movie. They've, released, they've like, yeah. digitally gotten rid of the part that says Walt Disney Picture Presents. It just says the title, Return to Oz, and the movie starts. Okay, but here... Okay, can I, can I say this right now? There is... It, it, there is one caveat, okay? I say this. You can't get it on Amazon. You can't get it in your local store. And you can't get it. You may be able to get it on eBay. But it's a Disney Movie Club exclusive. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't want to bash the Mouse House because I love them. I love their movies. I go to their parks whenever I possibly can. But you know what? This is a little hypocritical. This is a movie that they kind of swept under the rug for decades. Yes, they did. We're not proud of this movie flops. So they're like, boo-hoo on this movie. And they kind of push it to the side like the black hole. And now they're like treating it like it's like it's a like a classic film. That's not cool. Disney Movie Club exclusive. It's yeah. not going to retail. What a bunch of crap. I mean, come on, uh, guys. Come I, on. I, I, it's much better than most people remember it. I think I, it's, it's the Pan's Labyrinth of its time. It's edgy, it is. It's dark. It's exciting. It's thrilling. I mean, it's it's Walter Murch. Uh, George Lucas was one of the producers in the film. I mean, it's it's a state of the art fantasy, but it's edgy and it's scary at times. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so good. It's electric shock therapy is in the show. That's oh right. my gosh! That's right. And the guys with the roller skates for arms. The wheelers. The wheelers. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Such a good movie. Good show for yeah. sure. Anyway. We are out of time. Uh, good luck with Paul Blart this weekend. Oh, thank you. Um, have a great time. I, I'm going to be – I have um, – I've got some reviews that are in the queue that I'm writing. I put up the, all the rest of my reviews, which are up. My Furious 7 reviews great. on MauiWatch.com. You can check it out at nerdwatch, uh, Facebook.com slash nerdwatch. My uh, Exodus Gods and Kings is up as well. Um, so I've got I've got more stuff up there. So I'm very excited. We've got a lot of reviews. If you guys want to know about it, we will tell you. So next week – We'll we'll talk more about, I'm, I'm assuming, the Avengers. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the Hulk and why the Hulk movie is not being made. It's very interesting. Um, it's because Universal has retained the rights to the film franchise. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, we can talk about that later. I'm very excited. Uh, I really wanted to see another Hulk movie, but that's what's the holdup in so far. Hmm. Uh, we also found out that... Uh, the X Men has a have has a new member. Uh, Olivia Munn is going to be playing Psylocke. That's right. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm sure there'll be more announcements this week. We're supposed to be getting the teaser for the trailer of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Finally, about time. Yeah, about time. So very excited. We'll see what happens. We've got a lot of stuff coming up next week. Our Daredevil reviews as well will be coming up as well. I got games to play and things of that nature that have come out. Mortal Kombat X or 10 has come out. I got to play that. That's brand new. There's a bunch of stuff that's happening that ah, being a nerd ain't easy, especially when you have to talk about this stuff all the time. Well, it was a fun show, Professor Barry. Likewise. I think we had a great time. Rocky, we, we argued Rocky and how you have come to terms with the fact that my view is is the correct view, that Rocky Three is the better movie. If that's so, how you want to spin oh. that, you go right ahead. <laughs> People who actually listen to this episode will know that's not what happened at all. Okay. I just, I've, I tried. I tried. All right. If you agree with me, Facebook.com slash the Nerdwatch, which is, which of the Rocky movies do you think is better? 
I, I, Rocky Three, without a doubt, for me, is the best one ever. I'd say Rocky Two, or even Rocky Balboa. <laughs> oh, how dare you! Oh. But please, listeners, we'd like to hear what we'd you like think. We'd like to hear this. what Which you think. Which is the best Rocky film, really? Yeah. What do you Which think? Which is the best yeah. Rocky film? Facebook.com slash The Nerd Watch. Let us know on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Um, without you, we'd be nothing. So we want to say thank you so much, and we appreciate you guys listening to the show. We appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate everything you guys do um, when listening to the show. Any suggestions or questions, please feel free to hit us up at Facebook.com slash The Nerd Watch. We're out of time, folks. So until next time, I say peace out. Much love, and most assuredly, always stay nerdy for Professor Barry. I am G Money. Now, hopefully, we'll see Format and Amber back here very, very soon. But until then, in the words of the islands, Aloha! Aloha.